And like Roy Jones said, I said, y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot. Y queremos Palestina. Libre y libre y libre y viva, viva Palestina. The civil war has been quite fruitless. It's a people defending themselves against a fascist government. Now the revolution has got to be perfect. It's got to be flawless. Well, that isn't my criteria. EMP, the podcast, um, formerly Exit the Matrix, here on Public Pulse News Network. I am Amin TMK, uh, one of your co-hosts, along with uh, Emotion Mo Man Sumler and Keita Marshall. Thoughts, co-host team? Yo, it's a little tanky that could. What the fuck? Um, I'm I'm excited about uh, episode two. We up and running. Uh, lots to talk about. You know, I think um, every week, every week is just some more fuck shit uh, everywhere you turn. So. Um, do we want to jump into it, or do y'all have something y'all wanted to say first? So much happens in two weeks that's even finding the time to be like, okay, we're going to focus on these things. But yeah, stay on the know, folks. Right, and then to hear it and like to have to have like a, a root feel for it, and then also to understand if it's something that we can bring to the public. Like, y'all really don't get, man. We sit there and we be like, all right, this happened. Can we talk about it? Man, it's not really our lane. Oh, this happened. Yeah, it's important, but... You know what I'm saying? And then they're just to weed down to like the most critical shit. So. This is why they should really follow us on the gram. Ding. You know, I mean, it's not just for us to get popping. I mean, it's for us to help keep you in a know. We only doing a few topics a week. We're going to miss some things, you know, during this podcast or we're just not going to get to it. So um, follow us at uh, Public Pulse News and, on Instagram. And that ass, man, you, you can you can always, you know, DM us about shit. Like if it's some shit that's popping and you feel like real special about it. Hit us up in the DMs. You know, we'll look into it. You know, if it's our flavor and we feel like we got something to contribute to that conversation, we're going to bring it to you. We serve the people. Yeah, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Amen, amen. All right, so let's do it. So when we talk about there's no ethical consumption under late stage capitalism, that shit's not just a catchphrase. We get little bits and pieces of this shit. But like, I feel like most of the people that watch this podcast, if you was to walk up on one of your homies eating Chick-fil-A, it would immediately be fuck shit, right? We'd be like, what the fuck is you doing, man? Like, you know, Chick-fil-A, what? Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, back at Planet Motherfucker, other things were brewing, man. I mean, if we're going to keep that same energy for, like, organizations like Chick-fil-A, which absolutely deserve the smoke, how can we, we have to then look at all of these corporations, man. And this ain't, like, lots of bad on other side. This is, like, if we can understand that giving money to homophobia, giving money to conversion therapy churches is bad, giving money to politicians to support this shit is bad, how can we then still look at ourselves and think about us as good people if we don't have the fucking moral strength to turn down companies like Nestle that are making chocolate with literal slave labor? And we've talked about this shit before. Yeah, so let's just give them a little context. Uh, the United States Supreme Court on Thursday sided with food giants Nestle and Cargill in a lawsuit. It was, it's probably pretty close, though, right? Because that, that, that lawsuit started in 2005. 2005. And we've 16 went, years? Yeah, we've went through a full Democratic, uh, I mean, eight years of Obama. We Now we got we got Sleepy Joe. I'm sure we got some uh, some Supreme Court people in there that made it a close case, right? You want to read this, Kim? Sure. So uh, the core question of this is, are U.S. corporations liable for human rights violations and partner companies if they happen overseas? The Supreme Court, in their latest judgment, voted 8-1 majority rule and 
everyone said. Eight to one. Well, no. I'm sure it had to be one of those wonderful firebrand liberal. Uh, con- oh, you want to know who yeah, dissented? Was it, yeah, Ruth, was it, I'm sure, because remember we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth and that, Bader Ginsburg. that destroyed democracy right there. Right, democracy right. had died. I know. And, so, so was it one of the liberal um, justices? Hey, surprise, folks. It was Alito. Motherfucking Who submitted Alito. the dissenting opinion. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. literally one of those terrifying guys. I mean, he's... What, slightly to the right of fucking Clarence Thomas? Right. And, I mean, so the core of this is is not just the ruling, which is really a tacit endorsement of child slave labor, but that U.S. corporations cannot be tried in a U.S. court. For crimes they for do. For crimes they commit overseas. The, the plaintiffs in this case, when this case began, were 14 and 15 years old, who stated straight up they were abducted and forced to work against their will for Nestle. Yeah. And it's a, once again the exploitation of Africa and its resources, thereby reinforcing. I mean, but we don't need critical race theory on this, do we? The estimation Sarcasm. is since this uh, case began, 1.4 million children have been abducted uh, under dubious circumstances to work for these European chocolate companies. Because I'm seeing right here about two thirds of the world's cocoa is grown in West African countries, Ivory Coast, Ghana. And in those countries, the lawsuits argued children as young as five worked in hazardous conditions and in some cases were even held in slavery. This is a this is not just those two people you were saying. I know that was the most, you know, those were the people that were testifying and stuff. But there's a lot. This is very deep, you know, and there's a lot of evidence that does suggest that Nestle not only allowed it to happen but was pushing for it to happen these these are people this is a company that decided that the world should privatize water and there is no human right to water that's what the ceo of nestle said that is just gross it's fucking diabolical man and we talked about this in a previous podcast because nestle definitely was like hey instead of trading in money why don't we trade in water yeah putting water on the stock market which it now is water is traded and now it's there Water is traded this as This is another thing that we've normalized. And this is this is capitalism, right? This is what we get with this. Something that literally almost all life on Earth would cease to exist without access to in one form or another. You know what I'm saying? The great life miracle, the Cambrian fucking explosion happens because of water. Happens, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all think, the way no, back I mean to put the it in context. <laughs> I love how you put it in context. Right. And I mean, but uh, this is why, first of all, the Supreme Court and laws don't make sense in the United States. They are also built on white supremacist patriarchal values. Um, but the protection was supposed to happen under the Alien Tort Statute. And the, our, the Supreme Court didn't say that, didn't quite say, hey, this doesn't fall under that. They kind of skirted on the boundaries of that. Um, but that U.S. company. Uh, what did who was it Thomas Thomas said um, because the argument here is Clarence Thomas yeah. <laughs> Thomas I don't even say his first name uh, like a football coach yeah. hey Thomas get over yeah. here hey, Thomas, Uncle Thomas because um, the Ninth Circuit Court said hey we're going to let it proceed because all of the operational decisions happened in the U.S. that contributed to the slave labor in these West African countries um, Thomas stated Making operational decisions is an activity common to most corporations. Generic allegations of this sort do not draw a sufficient connection between the cause of action respondents seek, aiding and abetting forced labor overseas, and domestic conduct. 
See, this is why I hate academia, man. It's because an intellectual exercise. Yeah. Slavery is an intellect. Well, they didn't use the right argument. <laughs> yeah. They didn't use the, the Clarence rule of Thomas. I mean, Spike. yeah, they're like, well, corporations always have to make decisions. So why should those decisions be held against them? And I want to say this speaks directly to what's happening in the U.S. once again, um, because uh, all of these companies didn't want to be held liable for protecting their employees against COVID-19. Wow. You know, also what it makes me think of, I don't know if y'all remember this, but this was, uh, I think it was like a few years ago where it was like a bill that was trying to outlaw like those NDAs. Like if you are sexually assaulted while you work here, I think it was like uh, they were all right. those Blackwater companies, you know, the, the mercenary companies. And it was like all in all these contracts and it was like, you know, if you get sexually assaulted, like you can't sue us or whatever. And like they was really debating it in Congress. Like, well, I mean, you know, should it be freedom or should it be? Yeah. And, and look, man, if you can hear all this shit and not care, that's great, man. But I do hope you choke on your fucking salad. Sa what is it? San Pellegrino. Start of the oh game we never got to finish. And, and that, you see how tricky that shit is, right? You might think you're actively avoiding fucking Ashley. Well, I don't even like their little whack-ass chocolate. But I am going to drink this San Pellegrino. Oh, like, and, I mean, shared a chart once. It was like three bubbles. We'll have to bring that back yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, it's going like, to have to try to All of the companies that yeah. Nestle owns. Because you shared it once. Not just Nestle, but all of these large corporations and how because they keep the copyright and trademarks for these sub corporations that they buy out that they own way way more than we thought it's like, oh you've been in jerry's because those are good those are good hippie dudes yeah well it's owned by procter and gamble player so you know a small family-run business on amazon yeah, and they, like have uh ice cream parlors and shit like that in fucking Tel Aviv. Yeah. And these, these U.S. corporations, we cannot deny the long, long history they have of destroying not only the economic well-being, but also the health and, and general safety of other countries. This is exactly why Mexico is facing the biggest water crisis of its life. All of the exploitation of all of Africa, South America, well, Vincent, you bring up Mexico. I think that's a great example. Vincente Fox was the CEO of fucking Coca-Cola in fucking Mexico. How the fuck do you become the president of the fucking country? Because Coca-Cola said so. A small family-run business. And that U.S. corporations started, built on slave labor. Employers in the U.S. always want to go back to slave labor. They do. What's our next topic, y'all? Right. So fuck you know, Nestle. You fuck Nestle. So you know what it is. It's the summertime. Summer, 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 summertime. And what you got in summertime is the big blockbuster movies. You know, let's see what we got here. Of course, we have um, uh, white feminism dress porn, also known as Cruella. You know, <laughs> remember the white woman who wanted to kill 100 Dalmatians? Hey, hey, no, but it's no. okay. She's back. It's and she's okay, a good guy. Though, because a Dalmatian killed her, her mom. mom. Yeah, dude. Don't you know dogs are out there killing old rich what? people? Old rich white people. Which <laughs> is just scandalous. Why do you hate women, bro? We cross. <laughs> okay, all right, bam. So that one came out. So that was a smash hit. Of course, you have um, the very cohesive, very well acted. Um, just incredible writing known as the Fast and Furious franchise that is dropping. You will see cars latching onto ropes and flying from one island to the other island. Amazing, realistic concepts. Yeah. But uh, another movie that's coming out, it was a, you know, a former uh, play uh, uh, written by um, the person who brought Latino-ness to the United States. Single-handedly. Single-handedly. Single 
handedly. But Latinx folks have been in the U.S. for no. Oh, okay. no, no. I'm okay. sorry. Okay, no, my no, no. bad. My bad. Ness, not <laughs> Latinx people. Latinness. Okay. I, I mean, like John Leguizamo got to be like, am I a fucking joke to you? <laughs> Just, the fuck, man. Okay, but like all, the entire cast of West Side Story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so let's let's get into this. Let's okay. get into this. Okay, uh, okay. uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Okay, the the I don't know the writer of Hamilton, the star let me, let me of Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> is uh, out, you know, with a new movie in the Heights. This was a very successful uh, play. I believe it was on Broadway. It was nominated for Tonys. I, people were raving about it before I, I even heard about the movie. I'm not a big theater person, but uh, as you see, you know, there was already a lot of controversy with Hamilton, and now we're seeing that Lin Manuel Miranda is producing this movie. And all of the main characters are basically white Latina people, white Mexicans. And, you know, there's been a, a big, you know, kind of, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of accountability trying to be had. And there was an interview, I guess, with one of the cast members, um, Rita Moreno. She's in the movie. And uh, she was on. Was that where she's from? OK, great. Sure? OK, that's a yes. She's nodding. Yes. Um, so th- she was on Colbert and. uh this uh, this is what she said. I was going to play the interview. Maybe we can react to it. Let's do Let's it. Do it. Can we talk for a second about that criticism about Lin Manuel? That really upsets me. Oh yeah, for Did the people who that? don't for the people who don't know your your friend and ours, Lin Manuel Miranda has been he's in the also, news. He also co-produced my my uh, documentary. Documentary. Yeah. Um, he, there's been some criticism for the lack of uh, Afro Latino people in in the Heights, uh, yeah. the, the the movie adaptation of his of his play. I mean, it's like what you do, can what never, do you make of that? You can never do right. It seems this is the man who literally has brought Latinoness and Puerto Ricanness to America. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, I would love to say I did, but I couldn't. <laughs> Lin Manuel has done that. Really single-handedly, and I'm thrilled to pieces, and I'm proud that he produced uh, my documentary. And so are you saying that while you may understand where people's uh, concerns come from, that perhaps it's misplaced in criticizing him in this? Well, I'm simply saying, can't you just wait a while and leave it alone? There's a lot of people who are Puerto Riqueño, who are also from uh, Guatemala, who are dark and who are also fair. We are all colors in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how it is, and I just, it would be so nice if they hadn't come up with that and left it alone, just for now. I mean, they're, they're, really, they're really attacking the wrong person. They're attacking the wrong person. You just can't do, can't anybody do right? Couldn't they have just left it alone? Like, do you know how old these fucking arguments are? This is literally the first wave argument against black women when they're all up there doing their fucking, uh, well, can't the black women just wait their turn and then you'll get a chance to vote too. But right now, if white women win, it's a win for everybody. Oh man, but also to remark, hey, we have all sorts of people in Puerto Rico, but this movie is only going to focus on... The white ones. Can't they just the wait their turn? The very light-skinned, fair ones. Why do they... It would be so great if they just... And this is all shades of uppity, right? As a Southerner, it brings me right into uppity Negroville. This is what that is. Like, well, you know, why... You're just here to tear down every... And this is, again, man, this is why there be smoke when when black people are called POCs. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, the person of color experience is a different thing. We are, of course, that. But blackness supersedes that. 
But also why a lot of black people have moved away from like, okay, if you guys literally cannot acknowledge how global anti-blackness is, how can we coalition build with you? Because you keep telling us to wait our fucking turn. Like, we can't wait our turn anymore. This is a global crisis. Let me go one step further. What the fuck is wait your turn when we were here first? There's so much wrong with it. I do want to acknowledge a few things, you know, like, uh, so we've heard like the the cast in of itself is all the, the main cast is mainly white Mexicans. But again, remember, if we bring back old, uh, old Matt Damon, you know, what, what, what did he say when he was on that? When we're talking about diversity and when we're talking about diversity, y- you do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show. Whew. Wow. Okay. Again, it's no surprise why these people are put in platforms and places to succeed. Right. There's no, you know, again, when people are like, oh, I hate racism. Yeah. But you you literally were platformed because of your proximity to anti-blackness, your your willingness to excuse uh, anti-blackness, to not speak on anti-blackness. But also the insidiousness of the dragon's deal that, hey, we'll put you on, we'll help you bring the Puerto Rican, the Latine story to Hollywood, but we need you to do it in this. The Latinoness. But in this very specific way. And I just think about uh, John Boyega and other difficult to work with who, yeah who've come forward to say like hey hollywood world. is bullshit they really just want a token and how easy it is to be absorbed in as that token and what stories we tell about the experience of our cultures and our ethnicities by ignoring an entire portion of it so that you can get on screen and bring lit but and, and even when Rito Morena said it, that it was like, he brought Latino-ness. Okay, Latino-ness? what kind of Latino-ness are you bringing to yeah. If it's white people? Latino-ness, it's just whiteness. You know, like you're saying, proximity so to whiteness. Gen- Jennifer Lopez never did shit, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's so absurd on so many levels, you know what I'm saying? But I think that this is a, a great microcosm, too, about represent- representational politics within politics itself. You know, because I'm looking at the producer here. This is a guy named John M. Chu. A producer is a white person. Uh, executive producer is a white person. And we're talking about diversity. Those are the people that are still making those decisions. Those are the people that are really out there saying who to hire. You know, the thing about it is like, okay, well, you hire a person of color. You hire a black person. But this is a person that a white person thought was good. Yeah, I mean, what was that the other day, man? We're all sitting down. We're watching a Lego movie. And then executive producer, Steve Mnuchin. Steve Mnuchin. Right. I mean, movies are so highly political because they're extensions of propaganda. I mean, look, man, you the people just, that got the money to put this shit up with have the final fucking say. They have stakes, you know, like like they always say studio notes. Why are these movies so bad? Because the studio has to go through them, which means Steve Mnuchin or Steve Mnuchin like people have to go through it. So even, you know, it, it just sucks because the, the Lin uh, Manu, Manuel's of the world are like, OK, we'll take whatever critique you have, whatever you say the line is, we say it's OK. And that's why we can't rock with it, because at the end of the day, it's the same as Kamala Harris. You know what I'm saying? It's the same as a Bobby Jindal. Go along to get along, ass motherfuckers, man. Just representational politics, but it has no furthering of the inclusion and, uh, uh, you know, participation of, you know, BPOC folks within this Hollywood realm. Right. And representational politics also ignore the actual real problems that are happening in the world because they're like, hey, everything's okay because we hire Latin-A people to do this movie. But the fact is, is Puerto Rico is facing a number of problems. They haven't really recovered from all of the natural disasters and hurricanes that have hit their country. And the fact is, is also um, in 2016, President Obama signed a law called PROMESA. Uh, which privatized Puerto Rico's electric grid, 
closed hundreds of schools, um, jacked up, uh, really increased university tuition, threatened um, pensions for people who are trying to retire, that it, it, it promised a lot of things that it would like help improve all of this stuff. And we're seeing that... So, you know, by saying like, hey, isn't it great, though, because now you're in a movie? No, it's not great because our country is suffering and we need to address all of the issues that colonial powers had in making it this way and deconstructing it. Even addressing Puerto Rico as a country is is uh, is is not the right nomenclature. Right. Because they're they're literally a territory. They're not a state. They're not a country. They, you know what I'm saying? They don't have representation in, in a meaningful way. Like, these are things, like, and, and I believe, like, again, I, I'm of several minds about Puerto Rico. My first and best destiny is, if we go and rock for Taiwan independence, we have said this before, we have to then also rock for Puerto Rican independence, right? But barring that, at the very least, make them a fucking state, man. Like, give, but that doesn't happen because we can't have two states where the predominant um, uh, the the predominant people are not white people. You know, you already got Hawaii. You know, we can't have another. And the irony is, again, this is a state that would be so blue, man. I mean, they would consistently vote blue, but again, the Democrats don't want that because they don't want a way out of the gridlock. I think it's important to know, like, like, <clears throat> in Puerto Rico is colonialism in real time. We're watching how it's systematically being brought into, you know what I'm saying, more of you know, like that Hawaii, you know what I'm saying? Like where it's, you know, if, even if it's not white people, it's people who are catering to white people, you know, like they're not speaking whatever indigenous language they whiteness. are, you know, they, you know, we, we're not speaking Spanish over here in Puerto Rico, you know, or, or, or God forbid, Taino. yeah, or any sort of indigenous language either, you know, and, and this is it in real time. And, and like you mentioned China, you know, like, or we, we talk about Russia or, or we talk about Syria or we talk about any of these other countries, like. You need to see what, what the United States is doing. It's worse than whatever you think Russia or China or Iran is doing. This is colonialism in real time. Real people are suffering. And this, you know, like you said, territory is now under a tremendous amount of debt from the country it is. A like, territory of. A territory of. That, that That's not how that should work. You know, it's it's that kind of, you know, British mentality. It's like, you know, they're, they're taking it over in a neoliberal capacity. I mean, Dinesh DeSalza has spoken on this, right? Uh, and, you know, he feels like territories exist to enrich the motherland. He specifically said this. And, then, and that's a fact. Right. And we're seeing these kind of policies even play out through blue administrations. You know, there's no significant change. As we said, you know, those laws were enacted under the Obama government, which was a damn sight to the left of fucking Joey B, man. And he's not anything close to uh, a leftist or a liberal. And we still have internment camps at the border. We and, must and you, never forget that. And just to wrap it up and put a bow on it, you know who was pro all of those um, quote-unquote bailouts, those economic hit jobs by Obama? That would be Lynn manuel Miranda. Tino he went on to, I think it was the John Oliver show on HBO and did like a song about how Obama should do it. And, and you know. And that's how we got on. Okay, so next in what should be promising news, but of course, um, so... You know, in the news, there's been a lot of talk about um, more U.S. workers are quitting their jobs than at any time in at least two decades. Um, and, of course, there's been pushback on that, like, uh, 
millennials and Gen Zers are being irresponsible. Why aren't they staying at their jobs? This is not the time to quit. Uh, and how companies, of course, the news articles are focused on, on the companies are really struggling to keep this talent and to show like how great and how much they're a family. Um, so, you know, I just want to hear you guys' thoughts because uh, if anybody knows our dear, dear friend, Amin, then they know that he is often a very a vocal advocate on quit your fucking job. Quit your job or at least do the minimum you can. I I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. Let me know. Just jump in whenever y'all feel like it. But this is something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of what my praxis is. What's my praxis in this revolution game? And I used to always say to myself, Volatile civil unrest, number one thing, getting out there and protesting, you know what I'm saying? Going out there and fighting the cops and getting, you know, fucking tear gassed, which feels like the worst thing I've ever felt in my entire life. This was what I wanted to do. And, you know, I think that it's at this point, you know, it's just too dangerous to go out there right now, man. It's a life and death situation, you know, especially when, you know, we in a very black city, you know what I'm saying? There is, you know, it's different, you know, a little bit when it's in Portland or with a lot of white people. They still turn up, but, you know, I don't know. So it's, the belly of the beast, and we say it all the time, but I think something that we really can do, something that we can do in our praxis is divest from having our jobs being our identities. Like, you go there yeah, because you must go there. You have to go to your job. You have to endure all this polite violence, this, I won't give you a raise. I remember I was taking sick off, sick hours off of my previous job, and they really had to, they brought three people in to sit me down and go, what? Yeah, you've been taking off your sick hours, and we want to let you know that doesn't work for us. That was the language the that they sick used. sick hours that you legally accrued? Mm. You know, I don't work well with authority. <laughs> I so I, I would take my sick hours and not care. I know that that's a, like a taboo thing uh, in, in, in your job is to like just take off for your sick hours, even though, like you said, it's legal. And they were like... What are you doing using all your sick hours? You, you can't do that. Meanwhile, in Spain, motherfuckers cut out in the middle of the day to have a fucking siesta because mental health is a fucking thing they take serious, at least for, you know, citizens of Europe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And America's like, what do you mean you only work 60 hours, you piece of shit? Why don't you care about our productivity? And I will never, ever, ever stop talking about this. COVID-19 killed millions of people and corporations and employers lobbied and organized to ensure that they would not be held liable for the people who were murdered on the job because they didn't have enough. They either didn't want to implement COVID-19 changes and safety health protocols, or they forced their employees to come in anyway, which happened to a lot of retail workers. And they are dead now. And that's and that goes to the, the people that are out there that are like, let's go back to normal. This is this is what you don't see. This is the privilege that you don't see when you're like, well, I'm vaccinated. My crew is vaccinated. Like we can go back to normal, open up the restaurants because you got essential workers out there. You got people who now we have these covid variants Now, before then. Who are the people that die? Not people who get covid the most. Who are the people that die most from it? Black folks, indigenous folks, brown folks. These are the people that are not able to survive because they don't have the same privileges that that the wealthy that the white do you know what i'm saying so you're looking at all this different stuff and you're seeing okay while well, we have a worker short uh, worker shortage you know and, and i definitely know that it's a lot of people don't want to go back to work but like to be really morbid and to keep it a whole stack a lot of those essential workers are dead now yeah and because of that because we had to see that even unconsciously a lot of a lot of us who have to go into work are like 
wait a second, why are we dealing with this bullshit? Especially as Amin said, because there's this huge push now because, hey, the vaccine's out. You know, we're like 50% vaccinated in some counties and areas. That's like 30%. But they're still pushing it. And they're like, hey, come back into work. Why don't you do the new? We're back to normal now. You can go out. If you're having fun for the summer, then you should come into your job so that I can see you working every single minute of every single day. And a lot of folks, rightfully, are rejecting that or even better, going into business for themselves. But I hope that they don't recreate this exploitative capitalist mentality of like, well, I'm going into business for myself so that I can then exploit other people. Well, you, you can get away with what you can get away with, right? And only that, like up into that limit. And COVID changed that line. But the corporations don't want to act like the line has changed. You know, again, just hood boy perspective. I know for a fact the number one form of theft in this country is not is not aggravated assault. It's not... Uh, robbery is not strong arm robbery. It's actually wage theft. That is the number one form of theft in this country. It accounts for more than 50% of, of that money that comes up missing. And worse, employers don't ever have to face consequences At for all. stealing wages from their employees. You go to Walmart or some shit and you steal like $20 of formula for your baby, you're going to fucking jail. I've seen people sentenced to 90 days in jail for stealing $20 worth of cigarettes. But your employer, especially if you work like retail or servers get it worse too, where they're like, hey, you got to work. We know you're only making $2 an hour, but why the fuck aren't you doing all of this other work? All the Stealing the wages or, you know, other employers and white collar jobs who are like, just work a few extra hours, but don't put it on the clock. Just like help us out here. Stealing your wages, your labor, and maybe if you're lucky, they might have to face a fine. So start pushing back. That's what I think we're all saying. I think it's already happening. Absolutely. You know, I, I just, I remember being a manager in retail, you know, and doing a schedule and I would get in trouble. Like if I would give our full-time employees 40 hours. I'm like, but they full-time though. No, we're supposed to give them 37.5 hours so that they never have to get these fucking health benefits. But I'm like, but they, they full time, though. They they commit, They chose us. We got to do right by them. They'll stay with us longer. They'll be happier. 37.5. Yep. And it means, right, you have to push back because the narrative on this is absolutely going to change. We saw McDonald's try that with their franchisees where they're like, people just don't want to work. These lazy people just want to stay home even though COVID's not real. I don't know why people don't want to work. People aren't productive. That's bullshit. Same thing with this argument where it's like, okay, people are leaving their jobs. Well, I don't know why people don't want to work for a company and have the benefits of, of you know, a family culture, blah, blah, blah. They think don't three, let the narrative change. They think change. $300 a week is what kept people from going to work. They, they really believe that. Like, they, they have no idea how much it costs really to live out in this world. $300 a week? Yeah, no are you, health Are benefits. you serious? All right, yeah. all right. It's bullshit. Um... Look, y'all, we, we, those are our main topics, but, you know, like we said, there's so much to talk about. We're going to do a rapid-fire segment and just, uh, you know, talk about some things real quickly that we think you should know. Okay, speaking of corporations trying to control your entire life, Texas residents found out that their power companies were remotely raising the temperatures on their residents' smart thermostats. I've talked about this before. I don't think everything should be connected to the internet. This is one of the insidious reasons why, and it's because other people outside of who you are or your family can now control your life. So Texas is, of course, facing a heat wave like many states are, um, record-breaking heat waves because 
climate change. Uh, and so they are the Electric Reliability Council of Texas urged residents to do their part by raising the temperature on their thermostats, which would essentially uh, even out the load on the power grid. Um, so, you know, some people were like, I want to be sustainable. I want to help the environment buying into some of the propaganda that it's your individual responsibility, even though corporations are what cause climate change. Um, so they opted into this energy savings program. And then, you know, they would be home and they would be like, why is my thermostat like 80 degrees? I definitely set it to 72, especially in older homes where it's like hard to heat and cool. And so these residents found out, hey, Smart Savers Texas program allowed the electric company to remotely control their thermostat and raise the temperatures as a bid to be like, but you're helping other people. You're helping lessen the load on the grid. And isn't this better for Look, folks? Blair, I need my house at the temperature I set it to for whatever the fuck reason it is. I'm paying you for this. this is not like a, a, a charity that you do. I'm literally going to pay you for the energy that I use. If I put my fucking thermostat 69, fuck, if I put that motherfucker to 63, that's what I'm paying you for this shit. Don't fuck with my shit. Even more insidious is it, is it ignores a lot of people in poverty who don't get to decide how their power works. Of course, of course, they work a different schedule and the electric company doesn't care what schedule you work. They're like, hey, the grid's overloaded at five in the evening. We have to raise the temperature on your home in order to get the to reduce the power on the grid. This is also the problem with da -da -da -da, privatized utilities, which I argue against a lot as well. A slow creep of fascism into your life. Um, I wanted to bring this up. Um, <clears throat> there, there's been a lot of conversation surrounding uh, Sean Sean King as a um, activist within the scene, but I just wanted to to, to bring this up really quickly. Um, Samira Rice, Tamir Rice's mother, uh, released this statement on her um, Instagram. Uh, this was five days ago, and I just wanted to make everyone aware of it. Take it, take with it what you will. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of my friends following Sean King. So this is from Tamir Rice's mother to Sean King. Sean King, why do you think it is so important to tell folks we had a conversation? Well, we talked and everything and uh, and everything that was said was very toxic and uncomfortable for me to hear that you raised additional money and then said you did not want to bother me. Personally, I do not understand how you sleep at night. I never gave you permission to raise nothing. Along with my United States, along with the United States, you robbed me for the death of my son. You gave me a cop and donut conversation. All lies, Sean. Please stop thinking we're on the same page. As a white man acting black, you are an imposter and cannot be trusted. My son was 12 years old and the DOJ needs to reopen his case, period. Tamir's human rights were violated. Why would you ever make it about you? You are a selfish, self-centered person, and God will deal with you. Mm. Go in. And then, of course, King comes back, and he's like, hey, first of all, I just need to adjust. Why are you calling me a fake black man? And then shared his life story. His mom is white. His dad is a light-skinned black man and was basically mixed himself. And someone rightfully on Twitter is like, did this fool just admit he's seventy five percent white, trying to represent black representational politics? I remember when can I was be co opted. Watching that Netflix thing about Malcolm X, and then there was a whole segment with Sean King. I'm like, the fuck is he in here for? What is he? Literally, he wasn't even alive when Malcolm X was alive. You don't know him. You're not a Malcolm X scholar. Why are you here? 
any rate, man. Motherfucking uh, the news I got for y'all for this week, which I think is fucking wild. Y'all know how much we try to advocate for sex positivity Thanks. and the sex workers out there. Yeah, shout out Pressman. Shout out to keeping us all right the people on that. out there making it happen. You know what I'm saying? And like OnlyFans, literally a platform built by sex workers, allegedly for sex workers, is now trying to pivot away from sex work. Oh. And this shit just blew my mind, man. Oh. Like, you dance with the person you came to the prom with. Uh, it's all the stigma against sex work. Because, of course, this is the, the company's bid to go public and be, quote, unquote, respectable. I mean, but to do what, though? I mean, like, what am I doing? Like, really, though, what am I paying to see? Now nah, it's going to be only celebrities. Celebrities. I mean, this is being we're like, at with hey, the MMA oh. give you a revealing peek of our shoulders as name? we talk about Promesa. The oh, weird, the guy, the weird honest. guy who's being phased out right now, and he had the manager who had his OnlyFans, Diego. Man. Oh, Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez. See that? <laughs> no. That celebrity culture shit, man. Yeah, That's what the OnlyFans yeah. is going to. Okay, you know what? And that just brings me back to one of my models of life, one of my principles of life: divest from celebrity culture. Mm. And we can oh, leave it at that. Um, Public Pulse News. This is EMP the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on the gram. And on TikTok. And on TikTok. Yeah. Please stop eating Nestle. Please. Please stop eating Nestle. And we will tell you more about why you should stop um, eating Nestle and all those things uh, on our social media. It's Public Pulse News. Uh, this is EMP the podcast. Uh, Amin TMK, Keita Marshall, Emoji the Mo Man, Sumler. Any parting words? Anything you want to say before we're out of here? We love y'all. We know it's hard out here. But these conversations are important and they're hard and they're difficult, but we got to have nuanced conversations. We can't have gut reactions. Amin always says this. Do your research. Look up Promesa. Look up Lin-Manuel Miranda. Look up what the Texas grid companies are doing. Look up what's happening with OnlyFans. Love yourself enough to eat some fair trade chocolate. Psych! That's the wrong number! Hey, but it's okay. It's okay, though, because a Dalmatian killed her mom.